Because Money was originally recorded as a video podcast, so there may be visuals that don't carry through to this audio-only version. Please visit becausemoney.ca to see the show notes, related links, and more. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of the Because Money Podcast. Man, we're happy to be back. And if you're wondering where we went, it doesn't matter. We'll talk about that soon. But Because Money Podcast, we are going to be throwing around a floating tagline this year, so we're not sure exactly what our tagline is. But we are the other Canadian Money Podcast, not hosted by Creek Energy. So that's what we're going with this episode. And uh, with that note, I'm going to send it over to Sandy. She's going to explain kind of what we're doing this year and then introduce that other good-looking guy sitting over there uh, who's not Rob. Okay, Sandy, on to you. I am so glad to be back, if only for Jackson's spur-of-the-moment stuff that he says. (laughs) So we have been spending a lot of time meeting and talking about this year's episodes. We've got a slate of a lot of really good ideas, some really exciting guests that I am personally, there's some. There's a couple of people that I have known about for years and years, I've talked to online and have never had a chance to talk to in person, so I'm sure I'll wave my hands around and, you know, laugh a lot while we have them, but <laughs> it'll still be really great. You'll enjoy it anyway. Um, and yes, let's talk about, let's talk about Kyle, because our friend Rob, our co-host, this year has to take a sabbatical. He's leaving us to our own devices, which may or may not have been a good idea on his behalf. (laughs) Uh, But we've got a really great guy, Kyle, stepping in for him. You might remember him from Young and Thrifty. He's all over the place. Um, But I'm going to throw it to him and let him introduce himself, and and, uh, we can go from there. So clearly the pre-discussed game plan of keeping the bar nice and low uh, went out the window there very quickly. Uh, I'm going to try my best to step into Rob's massive shoes here and not uh, completely destroy the Because Money brand and the Because Money podcast. Um, Yeah, you guys might remember last year I was on the show discussing a little bit about uh, student personal finance courses and why we need to teach that stuff a little bit more. Uh, you might have also caught me if you read the Metro this summer. I had a summer column in the Metro. I've done some other writing in newspapers. And, yeah, like Sandy says, if you Google my name, uh, I'm apparently quite vain because I'm on a lot of different projects and weird money things. So if you want to check out a little more about me, uh, that's where you can find me. But I think what everyone's waiting for is what Jackson Middleton did with his summer because uh, I'm sure it will not disappoint. Wow, there we go. Everyone's wondering, hey? No, um, actually, I'm kind of a, you know, as a, maybe just a refresher, I was a mortgage broker from 2007 to 2013. I then sold my company uh, to a, a company in Edmonton. I'm originally from Regina, Saskatchewan. Uh, spent 33 years there and then finally got out. But, uh, yeah, so then I, I sold my company, moved to Edmonton, and took a marketing position, and that's kind of when I, we started the Because Money. I kind of... Uh, Sandy and I started talking, we got Rob involved, and then uh, did some of the podcasts there. So I was kind of working for a mortgage company, but kind of doing marketing, and since then I got a, uh, you know, I, I got a shot with a big company at doing more corporate type stuff, and that just wasn't me. So I ended up uh, leaving the company and starting my own company called Kilted Media. So I'm known online as the Kilted Broker. I don't own pants. They kind of freak me out. So I wear a kilt every day, and it's uh, that's kind of become my thing. So I online I go by the Kilted Broker, and now I run a marketing company called Kilted Media and uh, kind of been building that up since uh, January of this year. And, it's, it's been a real transition, but man, I love being an entrepreneur. I'm a small business guy, and 
I think that one of the, the draws for me to be involved in the Because Money podcast uh, initially, and that Sammy and Rob both liked, was the fact that I don't have my act together in finances, and I can bring a real fresh perspective into the, like, when finance people talk finance, they just forget that there's really, really stupid people out there. And that's the problem. So I bring that perspective, like, uh, I don't really keep receipts. I mean, how do I do that? It's like, I know I should. I mean, I know these things, but I just don't. And I can bring that perspective that other people, that they maybe lose sight of there's people like me out there. So as part to, as part to round out the show, I bring that honest, are you for real perspective? And I will continue to do that. I'm learning. I actually hired a financial controller for this business, so I have somebody who does it. So she now tells me everything I need to do. And if you're a small business person... Oh, it's like my marriage. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I said, it's like my marriage. Yeah, she tells you everything. There you, go. there you go. But yeah, so I've got a controller. She tells me what to do. And I'm actually taking small steps to being financially responsible with my business. So, Sandy, what did you do since we... Uh, finished episode 27 of season one, and uh, now we're starting episode one of season two. I worked with a lot of really fantastic clients, and none of them are dumb. And I, every time you say that there's dumb people in the room, it just irritates me. Everybody's really smart about their own stuff, not necessarily the right decisions, but you know about you and the things that make you tick. It's just a matter of, you know, getting it into gear. That's all. So stop saying people are stupid. So that's number one. But yeah, mostly I worked with, I mean, you know, I spent some time with the kids. I really like summer, but I don't get a lot of it because of, you know, children. Uh, and I had, like I said, I had some really great clients. I got off the phone last night with some clients who were just fantastic working on a retirement income plan for them and really involved and they read a lot of articles and they were able to have really long, good discussions that kind of even went outside of what their own financial plan was. So I've just got my head down, and I haven't really done anything exciting except for, well, you can see, maybe you can see behind me. I don't know if you remember from last year, I spent uh, most of my time complaining about the fact that my house was a disaster and we were going through a huge insurance mess. The insurance mess is done, but the disaster is still here because who can afford to renovate their entire house from top to bottom? Not this girl. <laughs> Kyle, what did you do with your summer? Well, I'm a teacher, and so is my wife. So uh, I immediately just attracted the hatred of about 98% of our audience with that comment. Uh, I have a lot of freedom with my summers. And so we uh, we did what two people who have a lot of time off would do. We traveled around uh, Canada, saw a lot of our friends, uh, into a little bit into the States where some of my wife's family lives, and just generally enjoyed things. I started way too many projects. Um, and now, of course, everything I procrastinated in terms of home maintenance and preparing for the school year is uh, coming home to roost. So that's been uh, my summer. And, uh, yeah, and then just reading super entertaining uh, newspaper headlines uh, recently. Uh, for those of you that are tuning in, we're just taping this on August 28th. So if we're a little bit out of date, uh, that's why. And I was thinking about this as Jackson was talking about um, sort of lingo and uh, terminology and how like finance people can sort of you know talk over people's heads and I think that's the same in like any industry like I go to, to talk to mechanics and they're talking about things it's like I know what a car is like I think I could identify a motor I um, can drive it. I can drive it. That's about it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And and yet they're like oh yeah you know blah, blah, blah. and then here's the bill 
And it's like, okay, all right. Uh, and and so I think law is the same way. And, and more and more as I, like, see more and more of these sort of industries and, and the lingo involved, it, they we've created these weird vocabularies to describe very simple things usually. And one of these, like crazy things about the finance industry is I love the weird like animal analogies and like just ridiculous like kindergarten terms we use to describe when things are happening in the world of finance and so like right now you can go onto like any major newspaper owned by you know billionaires written by really smart people and they're talking about uh, don't catch falling knives and are the bulls and the bears fighting and are the lamb and the pig gonna get slaughtered and it's like what in the world are you referring to right now? So I don't know, Sandy, can you talk some sense? Like what what is actually going on in the stock market right now and do we even need to care or should I be panicking and putting all my money under my uh, pillow? Well, don't do that. It's a very uncomfortable sleep. It just, it'll throw your back right out. I don't know. Scrooge McDuck looked okay, right? You just dive in and... I always wondered about that. I always thought they needed to do just one time where he dove into the coins and like obviously didn't go through them and, I don't know, broke his neck? No, that would be the best. No, let's not do that. <laughs> Cut to a scene with, like, a roast duck on the table. <laughs> you know, this is one of those... Markets are one of those and-both scenarios. So is it important what's happening in the market? Well, sure, you can't say that it's irrelevant. It's not... I mean, we don't want to brush the entire financial... In, well, parts of it, we do want to brush the financial industry off, but you don't want to say, oh, it's not important at all, because there are some people that just retired two months ago who have to spend out of their portfolio, who really do need to think about... You know, it, it's it's very, very relevant to them. It's painful to them. We talk about falling knives. For the rest of us, and even for people who have just retired, who are really, you know, who are seeing this and really starting to just have that visceral scary feeling it's not important even if it even if it is so again and both mm -hmm. there's probably very little meaningful action that you can take right now you, I mean so on Monday were you supposed to sell everything no everybody knows no you're not supposed to sell it's kind of a panic does that mean then on Tuesday you were supposed to buy a lot because that was probably a buying opportunity that seems to be more like the you know, that's what the smart people are saying. Oh, it's a buying opportunity. Yeah, two but, days later, it was a buying opportunity. Right, exactly. It's like you just can't... One day to the next doesn't matter in in people's long-term, low-cost, well-diversified portfolio. I have some clients who are really, really smart who had emailed me and said, oh, this was a great opportunity for me. I managed to kind of crystallize some losses, and I have every confidence in their ability to take advantage of this. If for the most part I didn't do anything, I didn't even open up my, either. you know, didn't look at my thing, and I'm kind of proud of that. But also, I just don't. It's not because I'm really super smart. I just know that I don't care that much. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. I, I got like two. Uh, I got like two different like series of emails because. Uh, Again, we have a pretty active sort of community on uh, Young and Thrifty. We answer a lot of uh, like reader mailbags uh, anonymously. We answer their questions on the site. And we got a lot of people in two different camps. The one camp was like panicking. Oh, my God, I just lost $1,000. And it's like, okay, did you read any of the articles or sort of the long – There's a, it's a long-term investment. I'm always fond of saying if you need the money in the next five years, it should not be in the stock market. Uh, and – then the other side was like, oh, everything's on sale. Should I buy? And I'm like, I don't know. Tomorrow the stock could go up, it could go down, or it could go sideways, uh, which is a total ripoff of pre Banerjee, by the way. I should give him credit on that one. Um, 
And basically, here's the thing, guys. Even with that massive pullback, uh, the Canadian stock market is is doing just fine relative to you know 2008. It's trading. If you look at price to earnings and stuff, it's it's a little slightly right now below historical averages. Uh, uh, depending what metric you're using, but it's basically at average, so it's not a huge buying opportunity. It's not like we're seeing, you know, 2008 American stock market levels or anything like that. Uh, just relax; it'll be fine. Uh, markets go up, markets go down. Hopefully, over the long term, they continue to go up. But uh, I was a little concerned and worried about sort of the panic on both edges of this. Well, I'm just going to jump in and say that. And most of you probably know this, but if you don't, this is a good little refresher. This is my number one rant. The news is not, the media is not in the business of reporting news. That's not what they do. They use the news to get you to read. So their headlines are going to be as sensational as possible. They are going to try and get you in so they can sell advertising. Don't trust the media. The, the sky is always falling. And if the sky isn't falling, something's coming up from underneath you. You know, if they, they're going to get you any way they possibly can, don't buy the hype. Just don't. I mean, in more as mortgage brokers go, they one one uh, I think it was in the National Post, a, a girl she she was talking about uh, secondary lenders, and she coined this phrase called shadow lenders. <laughs> and now all of a sudden, all of these media sources are picking up, and it's like. Don't talk to a shadow lender. It's like, it's like you're, you're getting a mortgage from a guy in the back alley with a knife. Like, for, like what are you? But the thing is, they don't, they don't care. They're just in the business of selling more papers. So the broker community uproars. The Canadian Association of Mortgage Professionals is like, they're taking it to task. And what are they doing? Creating more stories for them. That's, right. That's what they want. The media is the media. Don't buy the hype. It's all garbage. And finance, as soon as you start talking about somebody's money, oh, man, that's like the Hit red the button. Hit the fear button. Hit the fear button. Well, look at, look at, this is the thing. Jason Zweig from um, uh, whatever, the Washington Post, I don't even know, Wall Street Journal, probably Wall Street Journal, talks about this a lot. Look, he writes the same five articles. He just tries to write them differently so that people... Real financial news is... How are you personally on track with your plans and how close to your goals are you? And how sensitive are your goals to one or two or three month or you know two year price fluctuations in the market? They shouldn't be that sensitive. And if they are that sensitive, you need to you should already be aware of what the implications are. Do you know what I mean? So so like this this is this if news media was really in the in working in the best interest of investors and really worried about making sure you have the pertinent information that you need, they would say the same five things over and over again. You need a plan. You need to review your plan. Don't panic. Like old news is it's always the same. You know what I mean? Like this is no different from last time. Any any last time. Last time could have been two years from now or five years ago or anything like. This. It's always the same. Yeah. No. Right. Uh, it's it's and it's crazy like how that media noise that that you guys are referring to affects people because 
when I teach personal finance in school and then the kids go home because you know we talk about you know registered versus non-registered and what a portfolio looks like and what's the difference in a stock and a bond etc cetera, etc cetera. and I show them you know the historical charts and what they can reasonably expect what's the worst 30 year sort of block that every asset class has looked at and so they go home they tell their parents you know yeah stock market it's a pretty good deal uh, here's and the parents are like no everyone lost their retirement in 08 the market it's it's brutal it's terrible and so then they come back and I have to explain well no you know the stock market in both Canada and the USA has hit new highs you know a hundred times over uh, like hundred days of consecutive new highs and stuff in the US it's been uh, uh, sort of a, a really great upswing actually in most markets since the 0809 disaster and you'd never know that by looking at papers because exactly what Jackson says if you write a headline that says growth really smooth and pretty good for the last four years. Who's reading that? That's Instead, right. Are we on a cliff? Yeah. Are your retirement savings about to disappear uh, through a shadow lender or through a shadow? <laughs> yeah. So my favorite, oh, my favorite headline so far is Canadians and their debt level. Canadian household debt at all time high. It's been at an all-time high every time since 1964 when they started reporting it because there's more Canadians. Because there's more of us who have debt. Debt increases. There's more overall debt. But, man, that's a real good headline to dig into. Canadians at all-time high. 1.68%. And then they get it all. These, the numbers don't mean anything. It's just meant to freak people out. Well, oh. Yes, I don't like those headlines either. Although, any I would I would probably quibble a little bit about where they come from. What I want to go back to though is people is people reacting viscerally, kind of what you were talking about, Kyle. You know, parents at home saying, "Oh, well, you know, my friends lost everything in '08 or whatever." People in general don't know what their own financial, like their own rate of return, has been. Very few people track their rate of return and, and even if their institution tracks it for them which they won't actually have to until July 2016 when CRM2 rolls out but even if their financial institution is tracking it for them most people have a couple of things over here at you know one bank and a couple of things over here with their insurance company or with their DC plan at work or so to, to know kind of what your overall rate of return has been and how you personally have fared you know, through markets and through your regular savings and that sort of thing, people most of the time base their opinions on what the stock market is like and has done and the risk level on anecdotal experience That's or, right. again, these wildly overstated headlines that are either telling you everybody's in and you're stupid to be on the sidelines or you're in and you're really stupid because here comes, like Jackson was saying, something from underneath, you know? So I think people tend to react with emotion and anecdote rather than looking at their own particular situation and that would be I mean in a situation like this this is a perfect time to me for people to go look at their portfolio and construct their rate of return for the past little while and and see and, if it really is a problem and I want to reiterate here Sandy uh, it's not an intelligence thing exactly how you were talking about to Jackson there are super smart people like look there's a reason 24-7 uh, there's several 24-7 business news channels like Jackson was talking about uh, Newspapers trying to grab headlines. They're coming out once a day, or or on their website. These twenty, these guys got to fill like eighteen hours of live TV some days, and 
it's unbelievable. I mean, the smart people with millions of dollars to invest who watch guys like, and I'm sorry, Jim Cramer, uh, I'm going to just, uh, you know, join John Stewart on, on my high horse here. But you look at, like, Jim Cramer's got this crazy successful show, and he's, like, throwing stuffed animals at the screen and, like, honking horns, and he's got these graphics that his kindergarten child made for him, and people invest on that. Like, they call in, they're like, booyah, they do all this crazy stuff. I watch it, and I'm just amazed. I'm like, I can't believe that people make stock market decisions based on this, like, traveling circus of entertainment. Uh, it's just a really weird way to approach sort of managing your money. I, it's... But listen, don't we all kind of feel foolish when we do nothing? Don't isn't there just something inside of us? Even as kind of the more experience we get, the more knowledge we get about how kind of our own finances really work, there's still that feeling of shouldn't I be doing something? Aren't I kind of like is it foolish for me to not be doing anything? And then it feels I mean it feels braggy, even kind of, you know, fifteen minutes ago when I said, Well, I haven't even opened up my my investments. Well I haven't because I've learned that Doing that is a real sure road to to my the other part of me saying, well, Sandy, you should be doing something. So I'm putting I'm putting blocks in place because I know my worst side. So I have to I have to consciously ahead of time before a situation like this happens, I have to say, okay, in a bad situation, let's let's make some decisions in advance while we're not under stress and say. In advance, if I hear news like that, I'm not actually going to go look at my own statements. I'm not going to you know, log on and, and see what's happening, or I'm not going to read that news or whatever. And then with the benefit of some hindsight, I can then go back and take a look at what's happening without, that again, that immediate stress and that immediate pressure to say, oh, I've got to do something right now. I think we all feel that way. I don't think that's kind of a foolish thing, but I do think it's something we need to manage. And and just to like sort of further clarify on that point, I know Sandy and and Rob in the past have both been big fans of you know the couch potato uh, passive investing index, whatever you want to refer to it as, uh, low fee, broad, diverse investing options. Um, and I am as well. Uh, we got like a free ebook on the site. I'll, I'll shamelessly self promote there uh, that describes exactly what my portfolio looks like. If you want to check it out and. Uh, but guys, the stuff is not magic. Like people are emailing me saying, "Oh, I thought you had this magic cure with this uh, couch potato portfolio." And it's like, no, it is definitely not magic. Uh, it's the furthest thing from you're taking the average market returns. Uh, hopefully, if you do it right, um, and uh, when the market goes down, you're going to go down. Like, make no mistake. If you were in a couch potato low index, whatever, whatever easier, whatever you're in. If you were in that in 2008, 2009, it went down like 40% or whatever it was, whatever the, the average of your portfolio was. It's now went up considerably, but just understand that there's no magic bullet here. Like unless you're, uh, you know, you own Berkshire Hathaway, which is Warren Buffett in like 1960, your stocks go down once in a while and that's okay. Uh, as long as you understand what it is that you've actually invested in and sort of how these long-term trends generally go. Yeah, and that's that's always the big concern for me when I see sort of armchair advice. Like there's a lot there's a huge community of people that are really great and willing to spend time giving people advice, you know, in Reddit forums and that sort of thing. But the thing that really is a red flag to me is people who start their advice with just. So, oh, just invest in a in low cost ETFs in a couch potato portfolio. And there's no it's not like you need to kind of give somebody um you know, a, you know, a ten-page or sorry, a ten-chapter book about investing. 
necessarily. I mean, the right advice is sometimes still the right advice no matter how much the person knows why they're following that advice. But when you give somebody that just invest in a couch potato portfolio and you don't say just what you've said, it, but it's going to go down, you know, then you're doing them a disservice. Full yeah, stop. Jackson, I don't know. What have been, what's your experience? As you hear us talk about this, are we already getting into too much lingo when we talk about this index and stuff? I think, I think this is exactly what the Because Money podcast needs to be. It's just a, a relevant conversation for people who are trying to figure this out. But, there, yeah, there's obviously going to be some lingo, but talking about personal experience, right? There's no, just as long as you understand that we're not here to give you a magic bullet. There's no magic pill. We're going to have a conversation, and you need to figure out what's right for you. Personally, and I know that I shared this on uh, season one, I lost 98% of my stock portfolio in two weeks in 2008 because I was diversified in junior speculative oil stocks. I bought three of them. That was diversified for me. And, you know, it, rookie mistake, I took the advice of someone who said, just invest in this, and it's a 20-bagger, no problem. 20-bagger, I love that. So I basically rushed in, I cashed out some money that I had, I, I did well in the property market, I bought and sold some houses, I took half my money, I invested in the stock market, half my money and built a mortgage company. Was successful with the mortgage company but lost the, the stock market. Just put your money in here, and I did, 98%, they actually wrote an article in the Globe and Mail about me on how you couldn't have picked worse stocks. They took the stocks that I had and showed where they were current and it was like zero, zero, zero. It was terrible, but I learned a lot, right? What, and that's what you could take away. I kind of look back and say, oh, it was a horrendous experience. Would I do it again? No. But, I mean, the truth is, is I've learned a lot from it. So, for me, the open conversation, the dialogue, the things that I've learned, I look at the, you know, the TDE series or whatever you guys want to talk about, the couch potato strategy, and I'm like, oh, it's so boring. But it's probably what I need to do. But it's so boring. And it's this internal dialogue that I struggle with because I look at the stock market and I go, yeah, there's a stock. There's a company I like. Casino, yeah. I also invested a bunch of money in a wind turbine company where the owner took all of our money, went or took a tour around the world, and then bankrupted the company. That was a kind of a That's big amazing. So if you do private equity stuff, well, if you're me, never invest in the stock market, never invest in private equity. I mean, I think the only thing that I have never done is a couch potato strategy, and that's probably what I should do. But right now, I'm spending my money investing into my business, and I know I'm diversified, but this whole thing, we should continue the conversation over the next 15 episodes and just try and talk through these things. And that's kind of why I'm uh, pumped to be here for the Because Money podcast. I'm done talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that was that's a perfect illustration, uh, Jackson. I think you might be missing uh, sort of a, a real money-making opportunity there. See, there's lots of shows on TV where they pick winners. It would be great if Jackson Middleton had a show that was like, here's what I'm investing in, and then everyone would just go do the opposite and, and do, make quite a good portfolio. Like, stay oh, away. That's, a, that's a Middleton stock. That's a Middleton yeah. stock. Yeah. 
<laughs> not good. No way. I don't want to be known for that, but man, oh man. But actually, that raises an interesting point, though, Jackson, because every day, in, and I'm not going to point one of them out, but all of the major publications across this country, I see headlines, my top five stock picks. Top three stock picks for the dividend market. Oh, this is now where we need stability stocks, six stability stocks for your portfolio. And it's new stuff every day. And you know how often they check back and actually look? Almost never. It almost never happens where they actually look back and see how their predictions have done 5, 10, 15 years later. It doesn't matter six months later. That's irrelevant. Uh, 20 years later, that's relevant to most long-term investors, which is what you should be looking at if you're in the stock market. And they never do it. So these people have like no track record to speak of. They had like maybe two good years or, or whatever the case is. They have a high profile for some reason and they're giving their stock picks. And you got to ask yourself, well, okay, what's the incentive there? The, the the incentive is to make the craziest stock pick imaginable so that you get on the front page of the paper, your name increases, and if you hit it out of the park, great. Uh, now you're, you're Jim Cramer. And if you don't, no one remembers anyway. Oh, that's so, so it's, so it's a great game. Happens in the mortgage world all the time. We get these guys that were in a housing bubble, housing crash, it's coming. These guys have been calling down fire from heaven for the last 40 years, and it never happens. But, but it will one time, and then they'll be right. Guys, oh, they've predicted the future. This guy has yeah. a TV show. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Lifetime supply of stuffed animals. There you go. <laughs> and useless cliches. Uh, <laughs> But uh, so anyway, guys, uh, that's about all I have to say. Uh, I'm I'm pretty easy here. Uh, did you guys want to sort of highlight anything else that we're gonna have going on in the Because Money show coming up this season? Yes, I know that this season. Yes. Yeah, this season we're talking about food. There's some food coming up that I am very excited about. And Jackson, if you ever have a chance to follow him on, I mean, Twitter, on Instagram, it, he has some of the best food pictures I've ever. seen. He's got these like artful slabs of wood with like sprouts and sauce all over the place. They, apparently they eat okay, like that all the time. My money downfall right now is I love shopping for dinnerware on Etsy. Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> I love buying things that I can display my food on. Yeah, so follow me on Instagram at Kilty Broker on Twitter. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh -huh. But we are going to talk food, and I'm very excited about that because I think that's another one of those just kind of just cook at home which, sure, I mean, it could be great, but uh, it might not be super awesome. Not if either. I do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only one. I mean, I know for sure we're doing that. We've got a lot of other stuff that I'm very excited about, but we might not be able to un unwrap yet. It'll be surprising when it comes. And our goal this year, I believe, that we've kind of talked through is to be a little bit more organized with scheduled dates. We're going to do some pre-recording. Last year, uh, season one, we, we really tried to work in some live and, and hitting Twitter live and seeing. And we found that uh, although it worked well for those who wanted to contribute, we, uh, we basically found that to get the transcripts up afterwards, to, it wasn't really good for a regular show for us. So we're going to do some pre-recorded shows. We're going to be able to schedule our guests in advance, maybe do some website stuff and, and kind of promote a lot more stuff. We're going to, we're trying to clean it up for you in viewer land. So yeah, we're, uh, we're excited about what the season does, but I think that's, uh, that's it. We're ready to sign off and uh, thanks for joining us and we will see you here in two weeks when we've got another episode. Talk to you later. So long. Bye. 
Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Because Money is a labor of love and involves no ads or other sponsorship, be sure to click the like or subscribe button where you downloaded this from, as we'll help other listeners find the podcast and raise our profile, which in turn makes it easier to book guests. Please visit becausemoney.ca for show notes and related links.